0: I recently heard an interview with an incredible woman named Alana Tweig. Alana grew up in Boston, and while in her gap year in Israel, she was on a public bus, and she met her her now husband named Daron. Her advice to seminary girls is always take public transportation. You never know what could happen. (laughs) But fast forward a number of years, and Alana Tweig from Boston, is now a farmer living in Israel. Her and her husband, her, who her husband came from many, many generations of Israeli farmers. They have a large farm, large by Israeli standards, because in the beginning of the Medina, when they gave out different portions of land, they gave out 30 to 40 dunams per person. And their... Um, Their farm is a few hundred dunams because they rent from a number of other people. And so they have what is considered by Israeli standards to be quite a large farm. On this farm, they grow eggplants, they grow tomatoes, they grow cucumbers, they grow many, many vegetables. They even had a multi-million shekel contract with Sabra because they provide the eggplants for the baba ganoush that Sabra produces. So in this interview with Alana, she discusses one very interesting incident that changed the course of their farm. Prior to the last Shemitah cycle, Alana and her husband, Zaron, kept Heter Mechira, meaning that they would sell their farm to a non-Jewish farmer who would technically own it for the year so that they could work it. Right before the last Shemitah cycle, Alana said to her husband, I think that it is about time that we keep Shemitah kehilchaza. We really stop for the year. We don't work the field. We don't sell it to somebody else. We really let it lay fallow. And her husband was not so into the idea. It is a tremendous monetary loss. And besides for the monetary loss, what are you supposed to do for a year? What you're good at, what you've done your entire life is farm the land. So to completely drop this for a year is not only financially taxing, but mentally taxing, emotionally taxing, and her husband was not ready for this challenge. However, one day, her husband went out into the field, and he saw a few yeshiva bachrim walking around the field. And he asked them first what they were doing there, and they have vineyards in addition to their vegetable fields. And in the vineyards, one of the mitzvot hatul is called olalot, that when you are taking the fruit from a vineyard, you have to leave these smaller bunches of grapes for those that want to come and take them. So these yeshiva bachim were out gathering these olalot, these smaller bundles of grapes in order to produce wine from year six that they would have in the Shemitah year. And these Daron starts speaking to them and they say to him, one of them says, come on, just keep Shemitah. And he was like, oh, okay, that's easy for you to say. And the other yeshiva bachar turns to Deron and says, our people have waited over 2,000 years to be able to keep the mitzvah of Shemitah. We need you. I'm sitting in yeshiva. I can't keep this mitzvah. No matter how much I try, I don't have a farm. But you, our Israeli farmers, you can keep this mitzvah. They say no individual can keep all 613 mitzvah. We need each and every Jew in order to be able to keep them all. And we need you to keep this mitzvah that we have not been able to keep properly in our land for 2,000 years. And as Alana says, this awakened the pintal yid within Darun, and he couldn't say no. And starting last Shemitah, they kept their first Shemitah, Kehilchasa, and they have amazing stories where they really sacrificed so much brand new eggplant fields. They passed up the deal with Sabra. They really were willing to sacrifice their entire livelihood in order to keep the Shemitah year. And this year, which is a Shemitah year as well, is their second year keeping Shemitah, Kehilchasa. They know a little bit more what to expect, but she says it is just as challenging as it was before. In another year that I was listening to recently, Y.U. had a day focused on Shemitah and halacha, and Rav Rimon spoke, and Rav Ramon, who is the modern-day authority on Shemitah, he has written two svarim, I believe, on the halachot of Shemitah. He explained that when he was bringing his svarim, all of the svarim that he has put together, to one of the Israeli gedolim, in order to get feedback, to get haskamot, they were going through his svarim and they say, okay, you've written two svarim on Hilchel Shabbos. That makes sense. You've written two svarim on... Um, uh, I forget what on Pesach on the Seder that makes sense. You've written a Sefer on Helchos Parim that makes sense. Vieres Omar that makes sense. But why, Revrimon, have you written an entire sefer of Shiloh from Israeli soldiers? And why have you written two Seferim on Helchos Shemitah? How many people does it really apply to today? Yes, everyone in Israel needs to know where you can eat, what you can eat, but two full halachas sefarim on Hilcho shmita? Like, couldn't we make one of those little packets and call it a day? And Reverend Rimon says, as a posik, when you get any halachic shayla, it's exciting to be able to help other people. That is, it is exciting to make the halacha come to life, to help people keep halachos Shabbos, halachos Tefillah, whatever halacha it is. But he says, you know, when I get emotional, when I get a halacha shayla from an Israeli soldier, when I get a shila from a farmer in Israel, as to how to keep Shemitah. He said, for 2,000 years, Rabbanim were not able to answer these shailas. There was no such thing. And today I take such pride and am so grateful to Hakadosh Baruch Hu that I am in a position that I am receiving these farms. So there was nothing more exciting than putting together a halacha sefer on Hilko Shemitah. And I don't know about you, but I have been hearing and listening to things all throughout this year about the excitement of keeping Shemitah. I've been listening to the updates from Karen Hashvias. Karen Hashvias is the amazing organization that supports farmers who are attempting to keep Shemitah this year that if you agree to keep Shemitah, they help you financially, they, they try to enhance your year. Daron and Alana, they connected them back with those original yeshiva bachrim, and they were able to make kiddush together over the wine that those bachrim had made, and they were able to celebrate the fact that those bachrim had encouraged them to keep Shemitah. So I've been listening to the updates from Karen Ashvias. This is the first Shemitah year since the establishment of the modern state of Israel, that more than 50% of the farmland is truly keeping Shemitah. And I have been so excited throughout this entire year, hearing about Shemitah, reading about Shemitah, it's all so exciting. But what I want to discuss today is how it applies to us. And I think to understand this, we have to look back at where we originally learned about Shemitah, first in Sefer Shemot, and then in this week's Parsha, Parsha Bihar. So let's look back at the sources and try to understand. Unfortunately, at this moment, we are not living in Eretz style. What can Shemitah, what can this year that has so much importance to it when we live in one place, how can we internalize this? And how can we grow from this while we are not living in the state of Israel? So it begins back in Shemitah Parachaf Gimel. And it says, For six years you should work your field, you should gather the produce. In that seventh year, the land should lay fallow. Anyone who is poor can come to take from it. Anyone who, any of the animals can come from eat from it. This land, the year is half However, in this week's parsha, on Parsha we have a very extensive explanation of Shemitah, which is strange for Sefer Vayekra. Vayekra really is primarily focused on the Karbanot and the Avodah hamishkan. But in this week's parsha, we get a very lengthy explanation that takes up most of the parsha, discussing Shemitah. So we have the Ve'yikra Parachaphe. Ve Hashem, Hashem told us at her, tell uh, to Moshe at Har Sinai. And the question comes up here that Rashi famously says, why does it say Be'har sinai? sinai? Which has become used in modern Israeli to mean like, what does this have to do with anything? And the explanation given by Rashi here is that just as all of the halachot and all of the very particular details of Shemitah are explained here at Harsinai, so too this was how we received all the other mitzvot in the Torah. So we should understand how Hashem presented things to Moshe at Harsinai. So if ye daber Hashem al Moshe sinai leimur, daber al B'nai Yisrael v'amarta alihem, you should speak to B'nai Yisrael and tell them, ki tavowu al ha'aretz asher aninutin l'chem l'shavta ha'aretz, Shabbat lahashem. When you arrive in Eretz Yisrael, in the land that I have given you, the land should have a rest. It should have a Shabbat lahashem. Shei shanim tizra sadecha, v'shi shanim tizmor karmecha, Basafat. v'otah. For six years you should work that land hard, you should plow and you should sow and you should harvest and you should prune the fields and you should take care of your vineyard, and you should gather in all the produce. And in the seventh year there should be a shavas, there should be a sabbatical for the land you should not harvest your field the is more you should not prune your vineyard, a you should not cut you should not harvest in vain is your you may not work this land in any way it is a shabbat shabatoma arts this is a sabbatical year for the land so what should happen with all the produce that is created that year? You can take what you need, but anyone can take what they need. That land is completely hefker. Anyone who lives with you, any of your servants, you may take from this land to enjoy for yourself, but you may not harvest. The animals should be able to take from the field. This land is completely half This is a rest year for the land. And we continue on in Pasad Yerchat through And if you keep all of my halachot, and you keep all my mishpatim, and you keep all my chlukim, that you will rest peacefully in the land. And the land will produce fruit, and you will eat until you are full, and you will rest, you will um, live peacefully in the land. And if you say, what are we going to eat in the seventh year? That I heard a joke, uh, a rabbi joke, that usually rabbis beg and plead for seven years that they should get a paid sabbatical. Only the rabbis would tell everybody else that they have to take this unpaid sabbatical. That this is the one that's a mitzvah is to take that unpaid sabbatical. What should we eat in this seventh year? We aren't gathering our fields. What are we going to, not literally, what are we going to eat? Because we said you are allowed to take the fruit. For your consumption, but what are we going to live off of? We will not have any money. We'll have no income. He says, "If you agree that you are going to keep the shemitah year, Hashem promises us that I will bless your lands in the sixth year, and you will have enough to last you for three years." And it says then in the eighth year, you can pick up again and you have to wait for the the wheat to become yashan. Um, So there's this entire process that comes into play when you are planting in the land of Israel. So first, let's just explain the agriculture of it, and then we will get into the theology. The agriculture is that there is a cycle of annual crops that you can't plant on the same land every single year. Rather, you have to rotate things, you have to plant in a certain cycle, and you have to account for how long each crop takes to grow. So in year six, you need an abundant harvest in order for Shemitah to work out properly. You would need an overly abundant um, produce harvest in the sixth year. The seventh year is a fallow period. You will let the land rest, which eventually will be helpful for the land. But at the time, you don't have anything. And then in year eight, which also starts year one of the next Shemitah cycle, you have no replenished harvest from the original year. So you have to wait until the harvest from that year, can the land can be prepared, the seeds can be planted, and then they can all grow and then be harvested until you have any new produce. So when we say that there must be an overproduction in the sixth year, it really must not only be able to cover you during the seventh year, but also well into year eight as well. So it is very clear that this is a huge challenge, but this is what Hashem directly commands us that he says on the seventh year it should lay fallow and Hashem says, I know you will have questions. I know that you will say, how are we going to eat? And I say to you, I will bless you. Don't worry. I will take care of you. If you keep Shemitah, your land will be blessed. The land will be blessed. You will be blessed. You will be be able to dwell peacefully in the land. So this explains the agriculture of it and what would have to exactly fall into place. And in the Psychevim, it seems pretty straightforward. That why is Hashem giving a Shemitah? He wants a Shabbat la'aretz. For whatever reason, the land needs to rest. And then we'll pick up again in Yuri. But there is a Gamara Shabbos that adds an interesting layer to this discussion of Snicha, of Shmita. Amar Rishlakish, says, chosen yeshua. Rishlakish is asking a question based on a Pasuk in Yeshaya. And the Pasuk says, v'haya amunat the faith of your time shall be a strength of salvation. Wisdom and knowledge and the fear of Hashem. So it goes through now. Rizlahish goes through and gives attributes to each word in this Pasuk a different meaning. Emunat Zeh Seder So it says in the Pasuk when it says the word vahaya, emunat, chosen, when it says your belief or your um yes, your belief in God, what is this talking about? This is Seder Zraim. This is discussing about the Seder of Moed, the section of the Mishnah that talks about the different holidays. When it says in the Pasuk, the word Chosen, it is, it is referring to the section of Mishnah, which is Seder Nashim. When it talks about salvation, this is talking about the tract, the Seder um, of Mishnah that talks about um, damages that are caused to others. And Chachmat, the Seder Kachim. When it says Chachmat, it is talking about the section of the Mishnah that talks about the Karbanot. Vida'at is a Seder Taharo. And the, the last one, Da'at, when it says in the Pasuk, is talking about Seder Taharo, the section of the Mishnah that talks about Tumat and *tahara*. V'afilu hachi yir'at hi Amar So Raba so, tells us b'sha'a sin adam ladin When a person goes up to Shemayim after 120 years and he enters into judgment before HaKadosh Baruch Om rimlo. Nasata They first say to him, Did you deal in business honestly? Kavata Itim Did you set aside time for Torah? Did you engage in procreation? Did you yearn for the Geulah? Did you really delve into your learning? Did you debate in your learning? Havanta Davar Did you understand things from within something else? VaFilu Hachi. We can end before this. But so this this Gemara is going through this Pasuk in Yeshaya and attributes one Seder of Mishnayot to each of the words. And the first one it says is Emunat, that when it comes to Emunat, to belief in God, this refers to Seder Zraim the section of the Mishnah that talks about planting. And again, it parallels the Gemara that tells us that when we enter into judgment before Hashem, there are also going to be six, there are six sections of the Mishnah. There are six words in this pasuk that we attribute meaning to. And there are six questions that you will be asked when you arrive in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the first one is, ve Did you deal with Emunah? And what I want to ask a question here that I believe will help us to delve into our discussion of Shemitah is why is the word emuna connected to Seder of connected to the Mesachat that talks to the Seder of Mishnah that talks about planting and what, and again, it seems to parallel again here, did you deal with emuna So what is this basis of Zerayim being compared to emuna Why is that? And First, we can say on a very basic level that when you are planting, it requires a tremendous amount of amuna. Think about it this way. We take for granted that if we take soil and we take a little seed and we put a little seed inside, we cover it up nicely with dirt, we water it, we put it in front of sunlight, that eventually we will have a plant. Unless you are me, I'm very good at killing plants. But if someone is good at not killing plants, then if you do all of those things properly, you will have a beautiful plant eventually. However, what I believe that the Gemara is calling our attention to is why is Zerayim connected to Emunah? Because at the very basic level of making any of this work, we must acknowledge that there is Hashem in this process. That our Emunah can very, very much be founded and can be bolstered through experiencing this process of growing. Now, what would happen if I took soil? And I put a seed in the soil and I covered it up and I watered it. But Hashem was not in the picture. What would happen? The exact same thing that would happen if I took an M&M, put it in a pot of dirt, covered it up and watered it. Absolutely nothing. Because it is not the actions that I am doing. That is making something grow. What is making something grow is the fact that Hashem enabled and created the power in the world that when we take a seed and we put it into the soil and we cover it up and we water it, that seed will germinate, that seed will produce roots, that seed that seed will really um establish itself in the dirt and will eventually be able to grow in both directions. It will grow down and create stronger and stronger roots, and it will grow upwards and create the plant that we would like to see. But without Hashem in this picture, there is no growth that will happen. So I believe that the first understanding is that there is this idea that we see very clearly in the Gemara, that the idea of emunah, of belief in God is very strongly connected to Zrayim, to planting, especially to planting in the state of Israel in which there are so many laws and rules that govern how we plant that if we do not believe that Hashem played a role from the very beginning of this process that Hashem was the only one who allowed our crops to grow to begin with that if we do not believe that then we can then and the why follow all of the rules that Hashem laid out before us in regards to planting in the land so our first step is to understand that there is a strong connection between Zraim and emuna. So how does this play out in regards to our Shemitah year? How does this idea that we see emuna so strongly in our agriculture, how does that play out in regards to the Shemitah year? And how does this help us to apply this to ourselves? So the Kafa Chaim on our Pasuk asks the question, why does the Torah have to mention here that Hashem is giving us the land? It, wh- why does it have to say again and again, Al ha'aretz asher, asher Al asher l'chem, Al asher l'chem. Hashem reiterates over and over and over again that Hashem is the one who has given us this land. Why is there a need to mention that over and over and over again? And the Kabbalah Chaim answers first is that a farmer who is told that they would have to leave his fat field to follow will, feel, will fear desperately for his livelihood. Right. We said originally when Alana lot tweet came to her husband's room and said, let's keep Shemitah, can help us off. Their said, are you kidding? How are we going to eat? How are we going to pay our bills? And unfortunately, even in Israel, if you call up the mortgage company and you say, oh, but I'm keeping Shemitah. They do not care because if they are owed a certain amount every single month and you cannot just. renege on all your responsibilities because it is the Shemitah year. So a person naturally, when they hear that they have to let their land lay fallow, they will fear for their livelihood. The Torah itself predicts that and acts, asks it in the Passover where it says, and what will we eat in the seventh year? And the answer is in this Passover. The same creator who gave you the land miraculously will feed you, despite the fact that you have done nothing to make the crops grow for the seventh year. This holds true of every expenditure for mitzvot, or seemingly impossible prohibition that will interfere with one's wealth building. However, Shemitah reminds us of the opposite. When we set aside time for Hashem in our lives, everything miraculously turns out for the best. So beyond the fact that our emuna is very closely linked to the agriculture, because without Hashem it would not happen, the Chaim is taking it one step further and says, when you hear about this mitzvah of Shemitah, you are going to fear, what am I going to have, what am I going to be able to do? And the Chaim answers and says, the lesson of Shemitah that we are meant to learn for our lives is remember this lesson of emuna. And we are meant to understand that 99% of the time we put in the effort and Hashem rewards us. That we plant and we sow and we harvest and we water and we make sure to take care of our produce. And Hashem steps in and Hashem takes care of us. Hashem facilitates and makes sure that it happens. However, it is possible to think that not a big deal. Our crops just grow. So in this seventh year, what do we do? We turn to hashem and we listen to hashem hashem and we recognize that hashem is the one who made our fields grow to begin with so we turn to hashem and we say i'm going to keep the shemitigir i'm not going to harvest and i'm not going to sow i'm not going to put in the usual effort that i put in and hashem rewards us in those situations and hashem says and you know what i'm going to keep up my end of the deal either way i'm going to make sure to take care of you i'm going to make sure that you have everything you need i'm going to make sure that your fields are able to still produce afterwards." Shemitah reminds us that it really is the opposite. It is not usually our efforts and Hashem steps in at the end. Rather, Hashem is there in each and every moment. And without Hashem, none of this would have happened. So while it is difficult to recognize and acknowledge that on a typical year, when we see things happen seemingly so naturally, when it comes to the Shemitah and we don't put our in our effort, we see just how much Hashem was the one responsible all along. This seems to be the first point that is directly answering our question for the Gemara. The drive is based on Emunah because when, whether you plant or you don't plant, you are putting your faith in Hashem that you, everything will turn out as it should. Taking off that your Shemitah really is pure Emunah. You stop everything and you rely completely on Hashem. We cannot even imagine as those that don't have to do this, what it is like to be in such an intensive Emunah boot camp. That to be able to really to stop everything we are doing and put our complete and total trust in Hashem is something that it is so difficult for us to even imagine. The Sefer HaChinach adds as well, and the Sefer HaChinach says, shar Shei ha-mitzvah, from the root of the mitzvah, Sharatzah Sparach ki Shalom. Why did Hashem command us in the mitzvah of keeping Shemitah? Because Hashem wanted to tell his nation ki kol Shalom that everything belongs to him. So originally we said the fact that things grow, the fact that there is agriculture is all in the in the hands of Hashem. But the Saver Achinov takes this one step further. And why is Sadh's Ryan connected to Amuna? Because we are meant to remember that at the very, very basis, before the planting even begins, before anything occurs with the land, we must recognize that La Hashem Haaratum That everything belongs to Hashem. That everything is completely Hashem's. That everything, everything belongs to Him. That sometimes we think it is our farm and Hashem is helping us out. No, the Shemitah here comes along to remind us that it all belongs to Hashem. That everything that we have really truly belongs to Hashem. It is all in Hashem's hands. And in the end, it will all return to Hashem. The other mitzvah that is brought up in conjunction with shmita is the year of Yobel. That every seventh year we have a Shemitah year, but after seven shmita cycles, in the in the after forty-nine years, we have the Yobel year as well. And the Sefer Akhinosh continues on and says, just as the mitzvah of Shemitah is meant to remind us, la Hashem that the land does not belong to us, the Yovel year is meant to remind us that what everyone owns belongs to them. Why is that? In the Yovel year, not only do we have the same restrictions on farming and on working the land, but additionally, we have rules of everything returning to its owners. That in the Yovel year, everything returns to its original owners. So whether that is land, whether that is loans, whether that is slaves, everyone has to go back to where they were originally. And even hearing about this mitzvah will stop people from believing that they have ownership over the land. That when you learn about Shemitah and you learn about Yoval, you learn how the land truly, truly belongs to Hashem. And you learn that nothing truly belongs to you. That what belongs to you right now will eventually go back to its original owners. And the sefer Haklinath is saying that this is the message of Amuna that we can take from that we can take from Shemitah is this lesson that everything, everything belongs to Hashem. So we had the first approach to Emuna, which is that the fact that anything grows to begin with is a reminder that Hashem is there with us. And when it comes to Shemitah, we completely remove all outside factors, all of our involvement, and we allow Hashem to truly do all the work. And in that situation, we are able to recognize where everything has been coming from all along. The second approach was that of the Tesever Ahchino, that Hashem wants to tell us that everything truly belongs to Him. That we must remember that in the end of the day, everything, everything belongs to Hashem. This reminded me of a line by Blake Shelton in his song, God's Country. Now, many, many country songs are based on very Christian ideas, However, there are some ideas that we are really able to pull out to help understand concepts in Judaism. Blake Shelton, in his song God's Country, which is a very meaningful song, I suggest listening to it. He one of the lines reads: Right outside of this one church town, there is a gold dirt road to a whole lot of nothing. Got a deed to the land, but it ain't my ground. This is God's country. And what Blake Shelton is alluding to in this line from this song. Is that what is this? What is Shemitah meant to remind us that this is God's country? That that is why it says repeatedly in the Passover that over and over again it says that this is the land that I have given you. That we are meant to understand that every moment that we are on this land is a bracha from Hashem, and that everything that Hashem has given us in this land is a bracha from Hashem, and that every reward that we receive is a bracha from Hashem, that every success that we have in Eretz Israel can be attributed to Hashem blessing us and Hashem giving us this land. And Blake Shelton is saying that it may be a beautiful land, but God, a deed to the land, but it ain't my ground. I might think I live here. I might think I own here. I might think I'm in charge, but this is God's country. In the end of the day, this truly belongs to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and nobody else. Rashim Zoraval Hirsch on Parsha Bihar writes, he reveals the ultimate goal of all the Shemitah prohibitions and says, a most wonderful year-long homage performed by the entire nation where every field, where every field and orchard, every garden and meadow, every fruit, every blade of grass is made to proclaim that God and God alone is the Lord and owner of the land. We are all stripped of haughtiness and pride of possessions. Retire before God in complete equality and equal rights with the poorest um, inhabitants and animals of the wild. Someone put it even more succinctly and poetically as the song of a nation to its land. The goal of achieving humility and an understanding of those who have less than us can be achieved during Shemitah by contemplating what happens in the land and transferring it directly to your heart and soul. Rav Hirsch adds this alternate understanding, which is that everyone is equal during Shemitah because it is all about Hashem and not about us. That the amuna that we develop through Shemitah is about focusing totally on Hashem. That amunah on Hashem, belief in Hashem is focusing directly on Him. That it is not about any one person over another, everyone is totally equal before Hashem, whether you are super poor, whether you are super wealthy, in the end of the day, you cannot work the land, and therefore, you are all in this together, the Roshim Shon-Rafal Hirsch is saying that, um, sorry, I just lost my place, That it is about developing a certain humility and trust in God. That the humility to recognize that things are not in our control and the belief in Hashem to believe that things, even though they are not in control, will start still turn out correctly. In Sefer Devarim, it tells us that every time we have success in our field, we must remember these Kalim of emuna. That we must recognize that this land belongs to Hashem. We must recognize that... That everything that blossoms, everything that grows is truly a bracha from Hashem. As it says in Devarim, Ki Hashem alo kecha meviachal haaretzoba asher nakli mayim, ayonot utuhomot yutzim b'bika'a ubahar. Eretz chitah usahorah, gefen teina v'rimon, Eretz yishemem ufash. Eretz asher lo miskinot tohokalba, lachem lo tachsar ki ba haaretz asher avnehak barzel u'mahareha tohokat zavot it says whenever you are full, whenever you plant and you harvest and you are satiated, you should be rachta sashem alokeha. And we all know this this is the biblical source for birkana mazon, which makes benching or birkana mazon one of the only bracho that is mido, right uh. It says that. You should, um, you should eat, and you should be full, and you should bless the the land that Hashem has given you. But you may say in your heart, this was, this was my doing. This, I was able to plant. I did all the hard work. I did the manual labor. This is attributed to me. That in those moments when you want to say that I worked so hard to get to this place, just remember. um, You must remember that all of your strength and all of your ability in this area comes from Hashem. So you can fulfill his promise to your ancestors. But the final point that I want to touch on is where do we learn the sense of Amunah? What is the sense of Amunah that we gain from Shemitah? Is from the piece that we discuss when we bring the Vikurem. That at this point, when you bring your first fruit, so we are talking about the mitzvah of Bikurim, you should rest before Hashem your God. That you should be happy with all of the good that Hashem has given to you. That Amuna and Zaram specifically is at the beginning and at the end. The trusting that in the end it will turn out it will, the way it will meant to, and the bracha comes in the way that Hashem chooses. So we can learn from this passage, is we say it, You could attribute it all to yourself. You could say You could say this is all my ability. But we recognize that it is all truly from Hashem. So I just want to wrap it up and discuss for one minute, how this can apply to our lives. That we said, what is the basis of this mitzvah of Shemitah? It is not simply about growing. It is not simply agriculture, the agricultural that we have to allow the land to die to lay fallow for a year that we, so that we can have better crops in the future. Rather, we see there is something so much deeper here that we say when you first arrive up in Shemayim, the first question they are going to ask you is, were you dealing with matters of Emunah? Were you operating honestly? Were, did you believe in Hashem? Did you believe that Hashem was taking care of you? And we start off and we see that is parallel to Cedars Ryan, this section of the Mishnah that is talking about growing and planting and farming. And we might say that is the farthest thing one from another. One is a deep theological concept, and the other is something so mundane, working the fields, planting seeds. There is nothing special about this. But as we've seen in the sources, each of the ideas about Shemitah connects us to an idea about Amunah, that we believe that we do not do things on our own. Hashem gives us the ability to do that. That we do not believe that it was when you accomplish. We believe that it was all in Hashem's plan. That we are reminded that the land completely belongs to Hashem. That we may believe we own it, we may have bought it with our own money, but in the end of the day, the the land is Hashem's, is Hashem's possession and everything in it, everything that happens in it is attributed to HaKadosh Baruch So how does this apply to us? I think that this year, We're not in Israel. By tomorrow, we will be with Mashiach. But until that time, how do we internalize these messages in America? And I think that the first idea is that we learn about it, which is that we believe that there is a concept that if there is a mitzvah, you cannot keep. If you learn about it, it is as if you fulfilled it. We apply this to the karbanot today. That the reason that we recite karbanot in the beginning of davening is because since we cannot bring the karbanot, we may as well learn about it and make it as if we are performing it. So learn about Shemitah. Try to understand the concepts. Try to learn the halakho. Try to feel connected in as many ways as you are po- as possible. But on a deeper level, work on your emuna, because the point of this year is not agricultural. It is not simply to deal with the land. And this will this therefore, while this is one of the mitzvot hatsluyus parets, the concepts are very much not so to luyus parets. That these messages of, messages of emuna of recognizing Hashem's role in our life. Of recognizing that everything that we have is from Hashem and was given to us simply as a gift out of the goodness of Hashem's being. And that we can these concepts we can work on, we can think about them, we can learn about our Amuna, we can delve into our Amuna, we can try to improve them, improve our Amuna in every way that we can. And Amir Hashem, this year, may we be able to strengthen our Amuna. In turn, may we be able to bring Mashiach. And Amir Hashem by the next Shemitah cycle, may we be able to further further strengthen our Amuna through the observance of Shemitah Kehilchasa in our land, Bimhi Rabbi Aminu. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining today. Feel free to unmute.